It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons' 34-27 to win over the Denver Broncos in Week 9. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Of course, I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years over at FileFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at FileFans. And of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode, of course, is me giving you my thoughts, my takeaways, my reaction to the Falcons week nine victory over the Denver Broncos by the score of 34 to 27. We'll get into the conversation about certain role players, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, stepping up. We'll have quite a bit of a conversation about Matt Ryan's performance. We'll talk about some of the struggles that the Falcons had in the secondary, as well as some of the successes they had in the secondary and a generally Solid performance for the defense until the very end and almost collapse, a patented Falcon collapse at the end of the game. But they managed to stay strong, and we'll talk about how they were able to pull that off as well. So without further ado, let's sort of jump into our Locked On Falcons lead story, getting into sort of the big storylines around this game, including some of the role players stepping up and some of the back and forth that went on in the second half between the Falcons defense and the Broncos offense. So the Falcons earned their third win of 2020 and their second win in a row with a 34 to 27 home win versus the Denver Broncos in week nine. One of the big questions entering this week was whether or not the Falcons other receivers could step up in the absence of Calvin Ridley, who was inactive due to an ankle injury he suffered last week. And the answer was unequivocally. Yes. Alameda Zacchaeus stepped in the Ridley shoes and all he did was just lead the Falcons in receiving with 103 yards with one touchdown on four catches. He and quarterback Matt Ryan connected on a 51 yard scoring strike on the Falcons second possession. Zacchaeus's explosiveness along with Ryan's hot start helped the Falcons quickly build a lead with scores on their first four possessions to go up 20 to three by halftime. The Broncos, however, did make things a little bit more interesting with three fourth quarter scores to cut the lead tight to the end, but the Falcons managed to hold on and prevail. The almost fourth quarter collapse overshadowed an impressive defensive performance for the Falcons during the first three quarters. They held the Broncos to just six points during that span, shutting down their ground game. For the most part, the Broncos finished the game with 103 yards rushing, but 47 of those came on scrambles by quarterback drew lock as running backs, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon were held to just 31 yards on 14 carries. The Falcons ability to slow down the Broncos ground attack led to a number of third and longs for Denver. And that was a big, 
reason why the Broncos often struggled through three quarters. The Broncos managed to convert just four of 11 third downs in the fourth quarter. The Broncos fared a little bit better on third downs, converting three of five third downs. But whenever the Broncos face a third and seven or longer, which they saw eight times throughout the game, they were unable to convert on third and six or shorter. They finished the game converting seven of nine attempts. It was clear the Falcons game plan was the key on the Broncos running game and forced Drew Locke to beat them, which he struggled to do for the majority of the game. But Locke did make things interesting in the fourth quarter and without a Ricardo Allen interception in that quarter, the outcome of this game might have gone differently. The Falcons safety picked off Locke on a play where defensive tackle Grady Jarrett got pressure and forced Locke to throw off his back foot. That pass sailed over the head of his receiver and into the arms of Allen, giving the ball back to the Falcons at the Broncos 12 yard line with nine and a half minutes left in the game after the Broncos had cut the Falcons lead to 27 to 13 and forced the Falcons to punt on their second consecutive drive. But the Falcons quickly capitalized on the Allen interception with a Todd Gurley scoring run, pushing their lead to 34 to 13 with nine minutes left in the game. Allen then shined again on the Broncos next possession, breaking up a throw to wide receiver KJ Hamler in the back of the end zone and forcing a turnover on downs. Fortunately, the Falcons were able to get those two stops thanks in large part to Allen because otherwise they had really no success keeping the Broncos out of the end zone on their next two possessions and the Falcons offense did little to run out the clock on their final possessions. Fortunately, special teams also stepped up for Atlanta as the Falcons were able to recover both of the onside kick attempts by the Broncos on their subsequent scores. Overall, the late game struggles didn't overshadow a good game for a quarterback, Matt Ryan, who finished with 284 yards passing, three touchdowns and an interception. Ryan was able to spread the ball around thanks to multiple players filling in the shoes of the absent Ridley. Hayden Hurst had a team leading seven catches for 62 yards. Julio Jones added 54 yards on five catches and a 21 yard touchdown. Christian Blank had three catches for 31 yards and Brandon Powell had Ryan's other touchdown with his only catch of the day being a nine yard score. The Falcons have time now to recuperate and get healthy as they have a bye week next week before they face their division rival, the New Orleans Saints in week 11. It's been an impressive stretch of games under Hinnerum head coach Raheem Morris, having won three out of their last four, but things are going to get considerably harder after this bye week as the Falcons have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL, having to face NFC South teams like the Saints and Bucks twice each, along with the defending Super Bowl champions in the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully the momentum that they've gotten with these two most recent wins and the positive performance from the offense in the first half and the improvement of the defense will give them momentum that they need to carry over into the tougher back half of their 2020 and potentially play spoiler to some of these other playoff contenders. So guys, there's your Locked On Falcons lead story. We're going to continue today's episode by getting into more of the conversation around the sort of role players on the offense stepping up, but that will allow us to talk a little bit about some of the, I guess not role players, but the defensive backs on the Falcons, not necessarily living up to expectations this week. And then that will lead us into a conversation about Matt Ryan, uh, which will be the bulk of today's remaining uh, episode. But before we get there, I do want to plug the Locked On NFL podcast for Monday's episode where you can get Locked On Packers host Peter Bukowski giving you his thoughts and takeaways from this past weekend's actions. 
subscribe to the Locked On NFL podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to me right now. So the two key components of losing weight are diet and exercise. So let's talk about exercise. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all new stride, smart treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout for the comfort of your own home. Their world-class instructor, will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio level classes always available when you need them unlike their competitors echelon is affordable for everyone and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time right now you can try any echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days go to echelonfit.com slash nfl that's e-c-h-e-l-o-n fit.com slash nfl We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So we talked about sort of Zacchaeus stepping up, but it wasn't just Zacchaeus. It was Powell. It was Blake. They made some key catches. They were facing the Broncos uh, backup corners with starters A.J. Bouye and and Bryce Callahan, their top two corners out of the lineup. Devontae Harris was a guy that they really picked on in this game. You know, Zacchaeus' two big plays that he had came against him. I know there was another catch later in the game where Julio was able to, you know, shrug him off a tackle. Uh, in the first half of the game, I think they kind of benched Harris at halftime. But, you know, it wasn't just the Broncos corners that were struggling in this game because the Falcons corners weren't exactly great either. It looked like the Falcons plan was to kind of rotate all of their corners. It seemed like Terrell was the only guy that was the constant on the field for the most part. We'll have to sort of see what the snap counts look like. But it seemed like between the other two cornerback spots, it was Sheffield, it was Oliver, it was Denard, it was Bleedy Ray Wilson. It was multiple combinations of those guys at various points in the game. And I don't recall too many of those guys looking great. Uh, Sheffield probably looked the worst of that group. uh, Thanks to the frequent times he saw himself matched up against Jerry Judy. You know, I'm sure if you guys weren't aware of Jerry Judy, but you know, I think this performance, if there was any doubt about, why so many people considered him to be the best wide receiver in this past year's draft class. You know, he put that on display on Sunday. I mean, we've seen CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, and now Judy all have a lot of success against the Falcons secondary. So I'm not too eager to see the next uh, 2020 first round pick and Henry Ruggs and seeing what he can do. Uh, if he can continue that trend. Um, other thoughts on the secondary, we, we talked about Ricardo Allen. Keanu Neal was also flying out there. He was headhunting. Probably he's going to get fined for one of the hits he put on Hamler in the first half. Um, that went unpenalized. He got flagged later in the game for a similar hit that he put on Hamler, uh, on a slant play. Um, speaking of flags, this game to me was probably one of the more poorly officiated games I've seen 
at least the Falcons play this year. You know, it seemed like the Falcons were getting most of the calls. Uh, so it didn't seem like that many people were complaining about it live during the game, at least on Falcons Twitter, the people I was following. I do follow some people on Broncos Twitter that was certainly uh, making a bigger deal about it. But, um, you know, that's just goes to show you what I've talked about in the past where it only seems like people complain about officiating when it goes against your team. And if it doesn't, then it largely gets ignored. But my main takeaway from this game was how well Matt Ryan played in the first half. You know, he threw an absolute dime to Zacchaeus on that 51 yard touchdown. It was arguably his best throw of the year. I think the other contender is probably the third and 16 conversion. He had the Ridley on, uh, against Carolina in week five. Um, you know, I haven't been that keen on Matt Ryan's performance this year overall. I, I think he's played mostly well, but uh, it hasn't been amazing by by any means. I, I feel like too often the conversation about Matt Ryan is like, oh, he's awful when he's bad. And then when he's kind of good, it's like, oh, he's amazing. He's one of the best quarterbacks. And it's like it's kind of a polarizing opinion. We'll, we will circle back to that topic a little bit later on today's episode. But I thought he did an excellent job distributing the ball in the first half. He was like 18 for 23 for 216 yards passing in the first half. Um, but, you know, outside of those two big plays, he had the Zacchaeus, which was a 51-yard scoring play, and then a 42-yard one where he was able to escape the pocket, and Zacchaeus was able to slip behind Devontae Harris uh, for a 42-yard gain. You know, he had like 120-something yards on like, you know, 21 passes are on like 16 completions. So it was a lot of dinking and dunking stuff, a lot of short stuff, quick outs, hitches, those types of things, but it worked because it got him into a rhythm. Um, and then, you know, he was able to make some decisive big boy throws down the field, mostly to Zacchaeus as well. I thought things got a little quieter for Matt Ryan in this offense in general, in the second half of the game, he had an interception on the opening drive in the third quarter. That would, to me, at least looked like a bad throw where he just seen missed the safety on the deep post to Zacchaeus, uh, and threw it too far over the middle where it was in relatively easy play for Justin Simmons to make or easier. Let's say that, uh, you know, Simmons made a great play, but easier play for Justin Simmons to make, um, leading Zacchaeus over the middle, as opposed to throwing it, you know, straight up the field. Um, then you had their one scoring drive that the Falcons had in the third quarter. Most of that, in my opinion, had more to do with the Broncos getting penalties than necessarily Ryan sort of facilitating that drive. There was a roughing the passer uh, penalty on Bradley Chubb earlier in that drive that I thought was pretty ticky tacky. He just kind of pushed him after the play, after he threw the ball and they were like flag. And I was like, what? He just, <laughs> it, was a, it was a light shove. Um, and then there was an unnecessary roughness penalty on Kareem Jackson with the helmet to helmet hit on Hayden Hurst, um, which I think was a legitimate flag. Um, but those two plays gave the Falcons like 30 yards of field position on that drive. Their other four plays leading up to that were, gave them like 12 yards of field position. Um, and then, you know, after the, 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 Kareem Jackson penalty. Then Matt Ryan made a great, made a great scramble on that next play, avoided a sack. Um, and then we saw Julio Jones hit his patented blaze out route. Um, that looks like a post corner, but we've seen him hit it a, a ton. That's a little bit more flat than a, a true post corner. Um, and he just basically shook Michael Ojemudia, uh, broke his ankles for a touchdown. And that was an easy 21 yard strike for Ryan. But outside of that, you know, then on the next series, Ryan missed a fade to Russell Gage. He threw it too far inside on third and three. Uh, then he took a bad coverage sack on the next possession that led to a second and 16. Um, and then that led to a lot of people rightfully complaining about the Falcons running the ball to Todd Gurley on that play. I think they got one yards on that. 
then on the next drive, the Broncos threw their pick and the Falcons were able to capitalize on that. So, you know, thereafter, most of my criticism about Ryan and his performance is a little bit even more nitpicky than what I'm being right now. So I do want to talk about Matt Ryan's performance and sort of how it plays into sort of the conversation that we've been having now for a month or at least been talking about in the background for a month about sort of the future of this team at the quarterback position and sort of, you know, now that we have nine games under our belt, we can look back at Matt Ryan's performance this season and say, okay, like, where are we with Matt Ryan? What What is the, where are we moving forward with Matt Ryan? What's our assessment of him? And I want to get into that a little bit more uh, to wrap up today's episode. But before we get there, I know because this conversation is going to involve us talking a little bit about the quarterback position. Why not check out one of the two daily draft related podcasts you, you can find right here on the lockdown podcast network, including the locked on NFL draft hosted by Trevor Sycama and Ben Solak, as well as the draft dudes podcast hosted by Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Find them both on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple podcast, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to me right now. So we talked about the exercise component of losing weight earlier. So let's talk about the diet part. And that's where Built Bar comes into the conversation. Built Bars are the best protein bar in the market. They're low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, perfect for keto diets. Anybody that's health conscious that doesn't want to have to sacrifice flavor and Built Bar has six new flavors that they launched this summer. I've always been a big fan of the coconut almond and peanut butter flavors because all Built Bars have 100% real chocolate in them. They taste just like a candy bar, but they're much healthier than a candy bar could possibly be. And their new flavors are the caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Add those six new flavors to your rotation by going to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. And don't worry if you've already used that promo code already, you can use it again. So you don't want to miss out on the all new built bar. Again, use the promo code locked on for 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I I think today is a good opportunity to revisit the Matt Ryan conversation that we've kind of had over the past month. Um since we started to have questions about Matt Ryan's future in Atlanta, you know, after firing Dan Quinn, one of the things that we talked about um, was going to be the big, you know, question up in the air is sort of what's going to happen with Matt Ryan after the season. What's the direction of the Falcons at the quarterback position after the season. And I think Matt Ryan's played largely well since then. I think a lot of that is owed to the return of Julio Jones to the lineup. And my big concern going into this game you know, watching the film the last couple of weeks, I mentioned this on Friday's episode, but it seemed like Julio, I mean, Matt Ryan was very locked in on Julio Jones these past few games. And I think at times that can be to his detriment. You know, there were times where I felt like he was missing other open receivers, other opportunities, but in some of those instances, Julio was able, he was able to quote unquote, force the ball to Julio in those situations. Um, and Julio was able to make the play and you saw a positive result. So, you know, by the most part, people were like, Oh, well, you know, the process is fine if you get a positive result. But I, in, in some of those cases, I think you had a flawed process, as they would say. 
And, you know, this is why I've said things in the past about like Matt Ryan, not really trusting his play calling because there are times where the opposing team will give you a certain coverage look pre-snap and based off of the routes that the Falcons wind up calling on that particular play call, you would assume that a certain route is going to be his primary read on that particular play, given that coverage. And there have been oftentimes those situations where his first read is Julio Jones. His second read is Julio Jones. His third read is Julio Jones. And he's just sitting there waiting for Julio to come open. And and that's, you know, that's indicative of the level of trust that Matt Ryan has built with Julio Jones over basically a decade. But it can be, as I said, detrimental um, to the success of this offense. And that's one of the reasons why I was worried about if this style of play was going to continue against this Broncos team, because I didn't feel like feel very confident that that would work against this Broncos defense. It would play to into what the Broncos wanted to see the Falcons do, but that wasn't an issue today. So that's why I think it's a good time to have this conversation about Matt Ryan, because I think particularly in this game against the Broncos, you saw the really good of Matt Ryan in the first half, but then you saw, you know, some of the skeptical, the questionable stuff from Matt Ryan in the second half. And it wasn't, it wasn't like he played poorly in the second half. He just made a a couple of, you know, he could have made some better throws is basically what I'm getting at. And, you know, they resulted in, in the Falcons offense kind of grinding to a halt. Um, but it's not as if like, that's the only thing that led to the Falcons offense grinding to a halt. You know, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, like the biggest issue that Falcons have on their offensive side of the ball is their play calling. Their play calling is not great. And so in the past, we could say, say like 60% of the Falcons offensive struggles are due to questionable play calling. Right. So what's the other 40% made out of? I would argue based off of what I've watched this year, I would say probably 20% of that remaining 40% or half of the remaining 40%, 20% is Matt Ryan. 10% is the wide receivers not getting open, particularly against man coverage. And the other 10% is like untimely offensive line breakdowns where James Carpenter gets beat or, or, or they, another team throws a stunt at us or something like that. And you see these breakdowns in the protection and, even if Matt Ryan had made the right rate, he didn't have enough time to throw the ball uh, to, you know, the open receiver. So my suspicion watching the game live is that we'll see a similar split, a similar 60, 20, 10, 10 split uh, for this game. If we're assigning some of the offensive issues, particularly in the second half along those lines. Uh, but we'll see what the, the, the film says later this week. But I felt like, like this year, a lot of Matt Ryan's success has hinged mostly on sort of Julio and and Ridley being really, really good and Matt Ryan being more of a game manager distributor um, than necessarily Matt Ryan being the guy that's sort of not necessarily putting the team on his back, but you you know what I mean? Like being more a a partner in that. And um, I felt like this week, you saw more, particularly in the first half, more of Matt Ryan being that guy, extending plays and and and, and throwing some uh, very good passes early in this game. So, you know, the next subject I want to move towards is sort of this idea, going back to what I t- mentioned earlier, was sort of this polarizing conversation that we tend to have about Matt Ryan, where I feel like during that two and a half game rut that he was in from, you know, the second half of the Bears game, the Packers game, and then that first Carolina game, you know, and people were like, oh, Matt Ryan's washed and he's done. And then I felt like the back, that backlash, but then there was backlash to that backlash. And I felt like that backlash to the backlash was too strong in the other direction. Whereas now like people are like, oh, Matt Ryan's, you know, elite and all these various things. And I feel like 
this is the same thing I've complained about in the past where I feel like these two perspectives tend to hijack any conversation about Matt Ryan because you tend to get these very polarized opinions, these two extreme opinions of either Matt Ryan stinks or Matt Ryan's amazing. And the truth of the matter, I think, is mostly in the middle. Like, I don't feel like Matt Ryan's performance this year is, is at the level that I would expect out of a top 10 quarterback. But I certainly think he's probably like a top 15 quarterback. You know, like I would say, like, if – let's say he was the eighth best quarterback going into the season. I feel like now he's probably still like the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the league. Um, but I always feel like, you know, particularly earlier in the season, I felt like people acted like that drop off from Matt Ryan was this massive drop off that meant that the Falcons need to go out and get basically make a quarterback change. And I just didn't feel that way at all. Um, and thus, you know, it led to the narrative that you still see, um, which is people like, oh, you know, their future hinges on them being in the position to draft one of these talented young quarterbacks high. Um, and it's like, I don't really agree with that. Like, I understand people's, you know, desire to think that one of these young quarterbacks may be special or whatever the case may be and feel like, oh, this is a golden opportunity that you don't want to see the Falcons blow. But I don't think that means that, like, everything is riding on this. The next five years, the next 10 years of this team's success is riding on, you know, this team's ability to basically tank in the second half of the season. And so the reason why I believe that is I feel like, you know, let's say Matt Ryan is now the 13th best quarterback in the league. Like if you have the 13th best quarterback in the league on your team and you can't compete consistently for a playoff spot, you can't win eight or nine games pretty much every year. That to me is a sign that you're, you may not be a great coach. You may be a bad general manager. You don't know how to build a team around that type of quarterback. And I feel like, you know, you have this one side where Matt Ryan has played very well over the last month. Um, and then you people react to that as like, oh, well, Matt Ryan's been amazing this last month and definitively we should be the Falcons quarterback for the next five years. We don't have to worry about the quarterback position ever again. And it's like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, and then you have the opposite side of that where it's like, you know, everything hinges on the Falcons drafting one of these top quarterbacks in with a top five pick or a top three pick or whatever. And if we don't get one of these guys, it's a, a massive failure and this team is doomed. And, and it's just like, like not, that's not true either. You know, and I feel like today we, we saw a big difference between what it's actually like to be in quarterback purgatory, which is where the Broncos are um, versus where the Falcons are. And I feel like if the Falcons are in a position, you know, should they be picking high enough in the draft to take a quarterback very high in the draft? and they think that quarterback's a stud quarterback, then pull the trigger on that guy. You know, if, you, if you're if you drafting a guy because you feel confident, you feel very optimistic that that guy has the potential to be a top five quarterback in this league within three to five years, pull the trigger on that guy any day, every time. But if you're just drafting a quarterback to take a quarterback or you feel like, well, this guy's going to be like the 12th best quarterback in three to five years, it's like, what's the big, you know, like that's not a – Everything rides on this because at the end of the day, you're going to you're you're basically making a lateral move at the quarterback position to what Matt Ryan is now. You're not getting like peak Matt Ryan from like 2016 or, or 2018 or 2012 with that. You're getting sort of Matt Ryan today, which is a solid quarterback, but like nothing special. Like your team isn't your success isn't hinging on that guy being amazing. Your success is largely hinging on all the other pieces around your team being right in that sort of scenario. And I think that's really the situation that the Falcons are dealing with over the next couple of years. So, you know, I, right now I still feel like the Falcons need to be panicked 
overly concerned, whatever word you want to use about the quarterback position and the future of the position right now. I think there's certainly room for improvement, um, but it's not something that I feel like the Falcons need to be too worried about anytime soon. It's kind of in that, well, we'll just sort of cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but this is obviously a, a subject that I certainly have more to say about, and we may get into it later this week on the podcast. And we'll just sort of have to see how the next seven games go for Matt Ryan. You know, I think the Raiders are probably the only bad defense that the Falcons will face the rest of the year. I know the Saints are probably the next most vulnerable that they'll face. So these next two games against the Saints and Raiders should be a good litmus test for this offense to see if they can elevate their play and, you know, hopefully get what we saw in the first half of of this game for four quarters. But again, because of my skepticism, I have less skepticism about Matt Ryan than I do about Dirk Cutter. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know if Dirk Cutter, like the two quarters we got, against his Broncos defense was, was great from Dirk Cutter. That's kind of all I can, you know, that's kind of the ceiling right now as I see it. But if it wasn't clear from my statements earlier, I do think this was a generally impressive performance from the Falcons. You know, they sort of shook their AFC curse and we'll sort of see what they can do against the Raiders and Chargers down the stretch. But um, it didn't seem like for the majority of this game, they were playing down to their competition and they were playing above their competition. Um, And, you know, I, I think the level of competition is going to jump for this Falcon team in the second half of the season. And I want to see sort of how they come out of this bye week against new Orleans before I really start to buy into whether this team is significantly better under Raheem Morris than it was under Dan Quinn. Um, but I certainly think Raheem has done an excellent job so far, given the circumstances that he has found himself into, but we kind of knew, you know, no offense to the Broncos and lions and Panthers and Vikings, et cetera. But we, we knew going into this season that that five game stretch that we just finished was going to be the quote unquote, easy stretch of the schedule. So now we're going to get into the harder stretch of the schedule and it doesn't really kick off until those last three games where we got Tampa Bay twice in Kansas city um, right now. But you know, these next four games against twice against new Orleans Raiders and chargers, we'll sort of see how they, they handle those because again, I think those are teams that right now, you know, maybe not the Chargers, but you know, the Raiders and, and Saints probably overall are better teams than the Falcons, but not by a huge degree. So if the Falcons can quote unquote rise up as it were and raise their level of competition, I think those are still winnable games. So even though I'm like skeptical of what this team is going into this harder stretch of games in the second half. It's not because I'm like, Oh, they can't win anymore. Games are going to go. Oh, and seven the rest of the season. No, I don't think that, you know, I think they'll probably win at least two of these next seven games. Hopefully they can win more. Um, but it's one of those things where I do want to sort of see if they're not, if they elevate their level of competition over these back half of the season. Um, but you know, I think the saints generally are a better team but we've seen them come out of the bye week and smack the saints in the mouth. And I'm eager to see if they can do it two weeks in, or two years in a row. I'm sorry. So that's what we have to look forward to. We'll have a guest on tomorrow guys to talk more about this Broncos game. Maybe some of the standouts as well as what they're looking for, uh, you know, for the Falcons coming out of their bye week um, as we head into their bye week. Um, so be on the radar for that. And we got more great content coming to you and, and probably including a mock draft at some point. Um, later this week. Um, and we can actually see if I actually project the Falcons to take that quarterback high in the draft, depending on where they pick. But I think as of I'm recording this, I think they're, they're no longer in the top 10. So I'm going to have to do a lot more homework on that mock draft, uh, based off of current projections, uh, based off of this win. 
um, right now. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. So instead of doing five or six picks, like I thought I was only going to have to do last weekend, um, on Friday, you know, now I might have to do like 11 or 12 picks. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Of course, we'll have some opportunities for some Q and A's in some mailbags later this week as well. So if you want to hit me up for future content, future questions, future feedback and, and content um, subjects for what you want me to talk about on future episodes of the lockdown podcast, of course you could hit me up on Twitter at locked on Falcons via Facebook at locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate you guys for tuning in until then. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.